Oh, excuse me, everyone. Normally I mute before I do that. Apologies. I'd like to welcome you if you're joining us via live stream on YouTube. Uh, this is uh, just one part of our service here at City Temple. Uh, if you'd like to join us for the whole service via Zoom, drop us an email at info at city-temple.com uh, or you can just come on down to City Temple and be with us in person at 11 a.m. here in the City of London. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to three places today. Uh, Psalm 46, then Matthew chapter 8, and finally Colossians chapter 3. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and open up the Bible to us. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true, that it's your special revelation, your word to us, given by your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would rest on me, that I can bring your word to your people today, boldly and faithfully, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Psalm 46, great psalm. If I, if I had my deep voice back, uh, keep praying for that. One day, hopefully, I'll get that back. You know, I put on my deep God voice to read this because uh, it's, it's one of those, you know, where a, a, a deep bass voice really does well. You know, it's, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then to Matthew chapter 8. We'll pick up with verse 18. And read down to verse 27. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side, that is the other side of the lake. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus 
was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? And finally to Colossians. Third chapter. Commencing with verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, it's a big question on my mind right now, and probably on yours. Will Putin invade Ukraine? Will he order his troops into the Ukraine? Obviously, they've been massing on the borders uh, for a number of months. Uh, there have been a lot of warnings go out, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, diplomacy happening. And we really wonder, will there be another great war here in Europe in this new century? Or is it all a hoax? What is happening here? What is going on here? I can tell you my own thought, and that he won't invade, but, uh, and I've got reasons behind that. I think that that's what the Lord has said, but we'll find out. I don't know if that's sure or not. But uh, regardless, it certainly has a lot of people nervous and apprehensive and wondering what is happening. But of course, that's not the only thing that's happening in our world right now. We've all watched the news on the inflation, on inflation figures. And actually, if you've been uh, in the supermarket in the last six months, you can already see that inflation is happening and has been happening uh, here in the UK as well as around the world. You know, what is happening right now in our world? What is it going to be like in the year ahead? And I've been saying, and I believe that the Lord has been saying, that 2022 is going to be a year of turmoil. We're going to continue to see turmoil. This is not the beginning of the turmoil, nor is it the end of the turmoil. We can be deceived because we think that... Uh, the coronavirus, the, the COVID-19 pandemic is uh, starting to decline, and certainly it is here in the UK and probably in many places across Europe, but the turmoil doesn't have much to do anymore with COVID-19. But what is the Lord saying to us here at City Temple? Because that's, that's been our focus here since the beginning of the year. I've looked at some of the prophetic things that the Lord has said to us. And I believe that the Lord has said to us that 2022 will be a year of turmoil. 
there certainly will be some turmoil for us as a church, but also that we are going to be living in turmoil. So let's begin by taking a look at the turmoil ahead in 2022. And whenever you deal with turmoil, we need to understand there are two types of turmoil. And we are going to see both types of turmoil happening this year. Two types of turmoil. The first one I call terrible turmoil. It's nice and alliterative. You know me, I love to do that kind of thing. It's terrible turmoil. Now what's terrible turmoil? We're going to see geopolitical turmoil, wars and rumors of wars, which is already happening. We're going to continue to see political turmoil. We're going to see weak leaders and divided, ineffectual governments here in the United Kingdom, but also in Europe and also in the United States. And that's going to be, cause increasing turmoil. We're going to see economic turmoil in this year ahead. We'll continue to see problems with inflation. And we're going to see turmoil in the stock markets, not only here, but also around the world. We're going to continue to see energy turmoil. There will be rising prices. There will be energy instability. There's a lot of question marks around our energy supply and where it's going to come from. We'll continue to see environmental turmoil. We're going to continue to see wild weather and crazy environmental events like the uh, volcano explosion down in Tonga or the one that happened in La Palma. We're going to continue to see storms. We're going to continue to see megastorms in various places around the world. We're also going to see environmental events happening, environmental turmoil happening around pollution. I believe that this year we're going to see a number of major companies here in the UK, but also around the world, who will suddenly be exposed for the extent that they've been polluting the environment. We're going to see also ecclesiastical turmoil, church turmoil. We're going to see massive exposure of sin. We are going to see leaders rise and fall, mostly fall, as they're exposed in their sinfulness. We will see the collapse of organizations, Christian organizations. And we're going to see the escalation of internal conflict in many churches and many organizations. By the way, we will not see that in City Temple. We're not going to see any of those things in City Temple. I need more amens to that. I'm waiting, you know. I don't normally try to milk amens, but... You know, and something like that. We're not going to see that in, in City Temple. Amen. City Temple's not going to collapse. Our leaders are not going to be exposed and fall, and we're not going to have in, internal conflict. Right? That's terrible turmoil, and terrible turmoil, we're going to see it this year. Mark my words, we're going to see it, and it's going to escalate. But there's a second kind of turmoil. There's what I call terrific turmoil. You can have terrible turmoil, but you can have terrific turmoil. 
Terrific turmoil happens for a number of reasons. You'll see the turmoil of transitions. You know what? When the Israelites left Egypt to go toward the Promised Land, there was turmoil. What they were doing, they were going in a transition through the wilderness, the Lord was taking them. And so a transition is a good thing, but there's turmoil that comes with it. There's the turmoil of fulfilled promises. Whenever God fulfills a promise in your life, I guarantee you it will cause turmoil. Think of the Israelites when they entered the promised land. They had some of their biggest battles to fight after they entered into the promised land. Jericho, Ai, and others. And whenever you walk into the promises of God for your life or us together as a church, there's going to be turmoil. It always happens. That's terrific turmoil. I'd rather have fulfilled promises than unfulfilled promises. I hope you would too. There's also the turmoil of maturity. You know, when you start to grow in Christ, it starts to create turmoil. You can't do the things like you used to do them. You have to think differently. You have to act differently. And sometimes that messes with your relationships. There's turmoil that happens when you mature in Christ. There's the turmoil of obedience. When you do what God wants you to do, Sometimes it leads you into difficulties. It leads you into turmoil, your obedience. And there's the turmoil of trust. When God says, ask you to trust him, understand it probably indicates that there are tumultuous times ahead for you. I remember one time in my life, a lot of years ago now, uh, I felt like the Lord said, said to me one day morning, I'm praying, he said, Rod, do you trust me? And I said, yeah, I trust you, Lord. And then a day or two later, Rod, do you trust me? Well, you know, I, I trust you, Lord. And then he said it to me a third time, Rod, do you trust me? And I said, well, yeah, I trust you. And that opened the doorway for one of the most difficult seasons of my life up to that time. Now, I look back on that season now, and it was nothing. But for me then, it was a challenging time. So all of these things uh, might be terrific, but they create turmoil. And so we are going to see an increase of turmoil ahead, both terrible turmoil and terrific turmoil. And whenever you have turmoil, you also have what I call temptations of turmoil. Turmoil brings with it in your life a number of highly predictable temptations to sin. And I'll tell you what a few of those are so you can avoid them. One temptation of turmoil is self-centeredness. We start going through turmoil, and what do we want? We want everything to be stable. We want everything to be comfortable. We want everything to work out. And so, so we start thinking about me, 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 and what works for me, not what works for other people. Another temptation of turmoil is the temptation to settle for what is easy or convenient. Let me tell you, God almost never takes you into something that's easy or convenient. 
The promises of God in your life don't normally lead to something easy and convenient, but they're good. And I hope you understand the difference between those. There's another uh, temptation, the temptation to trust your feelings, not your faith. And sometimes you can confuse the two. But you can't trust your feelings. You can't trust your perceptions when you're going through turmoil. There's the temptation to quit, to give up, to walk away when you go through turmoil. And this is true of terrific turmoil as well as terrible turmoil. Both is true. There's the temptation to revert to your old ways, to the old you. You know, many times we experience our greatest temptation to go back to a previous sin issue in our lives when things are going really, really well for us. You should expect that. A lot of times it's on the, on the high points of our lives that we have the greatest temptations to sin. There's also the, the temptation to look backwards or to long backwards. You know, sometimes we're in turmoil and we look back and, and maybe we look back in bitterness. Or sometimes we go into turmoil and we look back into idealistic distortion. I had an elder in my first church, a uh, genuinely older elder, uh, who said to me, you know, those people who long for the good old days don't remember them right. He used to tell me, I remember when we didn't have indoor plumbing, we didn't have washing machines, we didn't have refrigerators. I would rather us have washing machines and refrigerators and indoor plumbing than to look back to those good old days. There's a temptation to focus on the wrong things when we're in turmoil, whether it's terrific turmoil or terrible turmoil. We start to focus on the storm. You know, it's, it's such a funny thing about the disciples in the boat when they're crossing the lake, right? Here it is, it's storming. The waves are there, and Jesus is asleep. What are they looking at? They're looking at the storm. They're looking at the turmoil. They're focusing on the wrong thing. They should have been looking at Jesus, who was asleep. And that's the temptation and turmoil, to focus on the wrong thing. A final temptation I'll mention, and there are probably others, is the temptation to give in to anxiety. Because whenever you go through turmoil, whether it's terrible or terrific, it will make you anxious. It will make you anxious. And so we're going to see turmoil ahead in 2022. It's going to be, some of it will be terrible turmoil, some of it will be terrific turmoil. I think most of us here at City Temple, most of our turmoil is going to be terrific turmoil, not terrible turmoil, but it will be turmoil nonetheless. And we must be aware of and resist the temptations of turmoil. Because what happens is, if you give in to the temptations, you will still have to go through the turmoil at some point in time in the future. So don't give in to the temptations. 
It's uh, a bit like, uh, you know, that, that famous uh, theologian Winston Churchill said. said, if you find yourself walking through hell, keep going. Or no, if you find yourself going through hell, keep going. And he's right. If you find yourself going through turmoil, keep going. So how do we deal with this? I mean, if we're facing turmoil, whether it's terrific turmoil or terrible turmoil, if we're confronted by the temptations of turmoil, how do we address it? What is the antidote in our lives? In order to go through turmoil, we need to enter shalom amidst turmoil. We enter shalom amidst turmoil. When we're talking about shalom, it's often translated as peace. When we're talking about this, it's important to understand that the shalom is not always what's happening outside of us, but it's always what happens inside of us. So what is shalom? And by the way, when, uh, when Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, he's talking about shalom. When you read the word peace in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word shalom. What is shalom? Shalom is a, a state or a place of well-being. Well-being. Where you see, feel safe and secure. So it's a, a place or a state of well-being, safety, and security that you're experiencing. It's letting the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Letting the peace of Christ, the shalom of Jesus. And that's how we have shalom. Shalom with God, shalom with one another is through faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose from the dead for us. We have that shalom of Jesus, and we let the shalom of Jesus govern what's happening on the inside of us, govern what's happening in our mind, our wills, and our emotions. This is exactly what Paul is saying. Let this peace of Christ rule or govern in your hearts in the midst of the turmoil. It's a place in the middle of turmoil but it's not the absence of turmoil. You see, the disciples, when they were in the boat, they could have had shalom. Not that the winds would have been calm, not that the waves would have steadied at that moment, but if they'd looked at Jesus and said, wait, okay, Jesus is in the boat with us. He's not worried, so maybe we don't need to be worried. And I wonder if they had come to that conclusion together, if the winds and the waves at that moment wouldn't have stopped anyway, even without Jesus commanding them to do so. If they'd been looking at Jesus in the boat, they wouldn't have needed the wind and waves to stop because they'd said, hey, we're going to be okay. It's fine. We're safe. We're secure because we're with our Lord. We're with our Master. And this place of shalom, this entering shalom, is the only way for us to survive and even thrive 
in turmoil. So we need to enter shalom amidst turmoil. How do we do that? How do we run after and receive shalom? And shalom is mysterious this way. It's something that we receive by virtue of our relationship with God and Jesus Christ. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. He didn't say, make the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It's an invitation to receive the shalom of Jesus Christ in our lives. But at the same time, Paul also says, pursue righteousness, justice, uh, and peace, amongst other things. So it's something that we run after as well as receive. We receive it, but we can't be passive about it, is another way to say that. So how do we receive shalom and run after shalom in our lives? And there's some practical things that we can do to living out our lives as Christians. The first thing is we must pursue truth, especially pursue truth in the midst of turmoil. And we need to be going after God's truth, not some other kind of truth. One of the things I really hate today is where people say, well, this is my truth. That's a, one of the few times I really want to swear because there's no such thing. It's not your truth and my truth. It's truth. And either truth is truth or it's not. And there's no mistaking that. No matter what people want to say, when they say my truth, what they're saying, well, my perception, my perspective, my understanding, but my perspective, my understanding, uh, my perception can be wrong. And in that case, my truth is my foolishness my stupidity. So we must be pursuing God's truth. Second thing we need to do is embrace trust. We have to surrender ourselves to Jesus. We need to remember Jesus is in the boat and it might feel to you like Jesus is sleeping in the back of your boat. But that doesn't matter. Trust him. Surrender to him. Surrender to it. A third thing, if we want to embrace shalom, to go after shalom, receive shalom, live generously. Live generously. Give yourself away. Now, generosity, yes, it involves your finances, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the way you live your life toward God and toward other people. You know, some people are really stingy with a compliment. Generous people give compliments freely. Some people are really stingy with a smile. Generous people smile freely. And so on and so on. We need to live generously. The next thing in order to enter and remain in that shalom, letting that peace of Christ, the shalom of Christ, rule in our hearts, 
is we need to refocus ourselves persistently. We need to refocus ourselves away from the turmoil and toward Jesus. We need to refocus ourselves not on our circumstances, but on the Lord of our circumstances. Another thing we can do to go after the shalom is persevere faithfully. Keep moving to the other side. You know, Jesus has a plan, and that plan will take us to the other side if we just hang with him, if we pers persevere, if we keep doing what he's told us to do, if we stay in the boat rather than jumping out of the boat and trying to swim on our own. We persevere faithfully. We stand strong, anchored in Christ Jesus. I love that about Ephesians chapter 6, great passage on spiritual warfare. And it's amazing what Paul tells us to do. Now, he doesn't tell us to go screaming after demons. He doesn't tell us to go find a demon behind every bush or cast out every demon that we see. He tells us, well, after you've done everything, stand. Satan cannot defeat you if you stand in Jesus. Satan only defeats you if he terrifies you and makes you run away. So you stand anchored in Christ. You need to practice thanksgiving. What we uh, colloquially say, have an attitude of gratitude. Sometimes I really amaze myself with how ungrateful and thankless I am. You know, I'll be going, I'll be complaining to the Lord, and then I just forget things, like the goodness of indoor plumbing. When's the last time you thanked God for your toilet? I know there's a bunch of people really upset with me right now. But did you ever think about that? I've been in places without toilets. Let me tell you, I'm thankful for flush toilets. I, I won't go further. Stop me. Stop me. Okay, so practice thanksgiving. Practice thanksgiving. And then you need to pray passionately. Pray passionately. And that includes praying through singing what we often call worship. But what we call worship is really just prayer, what the Bible calls prayer. And we need to pray passionately, whether with music or without music. Just keep going to the Lord and keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Paul says in Philippians 4, don't be anxious about everything, but in anything, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. Pray and thank God. And then a final thing. A final thing we need to do to run after and receive shalom, or to receive and run after shalom. We need to remain in Goshen. And I say, that sounds confusing. What's Goshen? Remember, Goshen 
was the area in Egypt where the Hebrews lived. And you might remember the time of the ten plagues. Water, rivers turning to blood, gnats. Oh, I really don't like gnats. Locusts, I don't like them much either. Uh, but especially not gnats. I mean, they get everywhere. They're terrible. And, and I wonder if they were ever like Scottish midges. Because midges, if you've never seen those, Scottish midges are like gnats, only they bite. And they really hurt. You know, so maybe that was the plague. If it was a serious plague, it would have been midges that uh, they called gnats. But anyway, uh, but you know what? During all of the plague, during all those things that happened, there was a place of safety. All the way up until the last one, when they give, were given specific instructions about putting the, the lamb's blood over their doorpost. And the place of safety was Goshen. Goshen was the place where the plagues couldn't come. Goshen was the place of peace and prosperity in the midst of the turmoil. Goshen today is God's people in God's church. So when we say remain in Goshen, we need to remain in the place of safety during the plagues. We need to remain in the place where God's people are gathered together with, as we said last week, their hearts knit together in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is almost impossible to walk in shalom by yourself. When Paul said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, he was talking in the plural, not the singular. He was saying, hey everybody, let the peace of Christ rule in everybody's hearts together. And that's absolutely essential, absolutely essential if we're going to receive God's shalom and remain in God's shalom. And God's shalom ultimately is a promise that comes by God's grace. And I can't emphasize that enough. Don't think that God's shalom is something that you have to work for. Yes, God calls you to pursue it, but he calls you to pursue it because he wants to give it to you. He calls you to pursue it because he, by his grace, through his son, Jesus Christ, desires to give you his shalom, to let you stay in that place of well-being, where you know that you are safe and secure in the Lord together with God's people. So receive it by God's grace. And by all means, in the turmoil, don't worry about it, but receive it and pursue it because God will give it and God will give it in ever-increasing measures. And what our world needs to see, what our world needs to see in order for them to believe Jesus, what our world needs to see right now is a people of God 
who bear the name Jesus Christ, who call themselves Christians, a people of God who are walking, living, individually and corporately in shalom amidst the turmoil now and in the months to come. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for this amazing promise, this amazing gift of shalom, the sense of well-being that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you that by your grace, through the cross of Christ, and faith in what Jesus did there, we have forgiveness of sins. We have new life. We have well-being in relationship with you, and even well-being in relationship with one another. We have a well-being, a peace, that the world cannot give us. And a peace, a well-being, a shalom that the world certainly cannot take away. And I thank you for that, Lord. Lord, forgive us for the times when we have not walked in shalom. Forgive us for the times when, like the disciples, we've been too focused on the storm to focus on Jesus who's in the boat with us. Forgive us for the times when the mountains roar, uh, when the oceans roar and foam and the mountains shake, that we forget that God, you are our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of turmoil. <coughs> Forgive us when we have not allowed the peace of Christ, the shalom of Jesus to rule in our hearts. and lead us into the fullness of your shalom in our lives today. By the grace and glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you, honor you, and praise you. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.